Let's turn with, within our Bibles, would you please? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We, we decided, I decided to take a, a little extra look at, at, at this whole idea of being filled with the Spirit. Now, we talked about how you can know the will of God. You can understand and know what God wants to do in your life. And, and I put up on the board, and I wrote in, on here this time that the flyers that we received the last few weeks of, of the six things of knowing God's will, John 6.40, Ephesians 5.17, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Peter 2, and Psalms 37. And we talked about the very essence of, of knowing the will of God, knowing what God wants from us. I, think of, I can think of nothing more secure in your life and in my life as we study through the Bible than to know, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, what is God's will for your life? I mean, what a wonderful thing. Well, today we're going to take a look at how do you know you live a Spirit-filled life? I think so many Christians live this existence of a roller coaster type of a, of a life as in, in Christianity. Some days they're up here because things are going fairly well, and other days they're down here because things are not going so well. And God never meant it to be like that. God meant it to be a very steady and very consistent high as we have this joy of knowing and loving our Lord. And so today, what we are going to do is talk about what does it mean to be Spirit-filled so that when you leave here today, you can know that it is not some magical potion that you have to understand to be a Spirit-filled person. But every and single one of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our Spirit-filled being, it's, it's, it's there, theirs for us, and it's not that difficult to know and to incorporate into our lives and what I thought we would do is after the service, if you can prepare your heart, we will have communion. We will have just a time to be thankful to the Lord, to remind ourselves the memory of what Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross, giving His life, putting His body up on the cross and shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And so as we go through this kind of Prepare your minds and your hearts for this moment of, of communion. So what I'd like for us to understand is, is, is what has been taught. This is this section of Scripture, if, if I may, just looking at Ephesians chapter 5, and, and, and really just from verses 15 to 21, you could teach on that for years if you wanted to. There is so much information in these five or six verses that is, it, it fills us with all the love that God has given to us. For instance, think about it. Paul has been teaching us how we are to walk. In this fifth chapter, in the fifth chapter alone, we have been taught that God desires for us to walk in His love. It says in verses 1 through 6 of chapter 5, we are to be imitators of our God because we are beloved children of His. And then in verses 7 through 14, we are not only to walk in love, but we are to walk in His light. And the reason we are to walk in this light is so that when we walk in this world in which we live, 
we can expose darkness and gently correct those who are doing wrong so as by the grace of an almighty God, you and I might be the light in this world that might draw someone who is walking in the darkness of not knowing our Savior, not knowing the wonders and the beauty of our God, that we might bring them that light so that they might come to trust and believe in our Savior. And so we are to walk in His love, we learned in chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. We're to walk in His light, we learned in chapter 5, verses 7 through 14. And we also learned last couple of weeks that we are to walk in His wisdom. We are to understand what is the will of God for our lives. And that was in verses 15 through 17. And to start this all off in chapter 4, Paul pleads with us. He begs you and me. He entreats us, the Bible says. He says, I I want you with all of my heart. I can almost see this, this, as I visualize him, this little bow-legged guy that just is powerful in his message, just pleading, begging with you and me to walk in a manner that is worthy of your calling. And so we've tried to understand what is our calling in life? What is our ministry in life? How can we know that we understand what the will of God is for our lives? And how can we walk in obedience in that? So Paul says to us today as we study through this place in Scripture, I want you to walk filled with the Spirit. So dynamic with your walk with Christ that that people, when they see you and they're around you for any length of time, would see there is something, something different about your countenance, about your lifestyle, about how you live. Read with me these absolutely astonishing words in Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 15 through 21. Therefore, Paul says, be careful how you walk, not as an unwise person, but as wise. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and and do not get drunk with wine For that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ." That last verse, verse 21, will lead us into our family series. It will lead us into the whole series of reversing the curse. You see, oftentimes when you talk about, and this is for the weeks to come, but when you talk about family, husband and wife relationships, you talk about uh, who's in control, who are we to be subject to. Well, the Bible's clear. Husbands, wives, you are to be subject to to one another in the fear of God. Subject to one another. You see, next week we're going to talk about a 
family relationships, husbands and wives. And if you want to have some fun, you get here early enough that you can get a seat where you can take a look at some of the women. When we start saying, wives, I want you to be subject to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Oh, does that burn the ladies? And we're going to find out why. We're going to find out from the very Word of God why that subject to a woman is so difficult to comprehend. Be submissive to your husband. Ah, ah, You've got to be kidding me, Pastor. I'm not coming. Oh, please come. I'll tell you why you should come. Because husbands, you know why most women have so much trouble with that verse? is because we as husbands are just terrible. We don't love our wives like Jesus Christ loves the church. Not even close. And if you find a couple that really are content with one another, it's more than likely because the husband has grasped the whole idea of loving his wife like Jesus Christ loves you and me, the church. But that's for tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow, but next week. What we have here today is is just the very essence of our walk as believers. Spirit filled day by day, moment by moment. And it is possible, oh, it's more than possible, it's readily available to every single one of us. You don't have to be a Billy Graham or some super saint to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let's see why and how. Let's, let's study this. What, a, what a, an amazing place in God's Word. Father in heaven, what a privilege you have given us to know and to hear your voice from heaven itself. You've come to this earth so that we might see who you are in human flesh and then you speak to us through the very word of God that we held in our laps so that we might know what it is you desire of us. What a marvelous parent you are. Abba, Father, Daddy. What a great love you have for each of us as your children. Father, may we return that love. As Anthony and Vivi and the rest sang and played, Hallelujah. We serve a risen God. Death cannot hold you down. And you've given that privilege to us. Death is not a part of our future. Oh, all of us will die. And not spiritually, not eternally. We'll live with you forever and ever and ever in a place called heaven, heaven, heaven. Oh my gosh, can't imagine. Father, may we make this earth as much a part of heaven as we possibly can as we live our lives as obedient, obedient children of yours. Let us be spirit-filled beings, I pray, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Okay, here's a command that you and I have. The command is we are to be filled or saturated with the Holy Spirit. This filling is is living out our, our Christian lives in the standard that God has for each and every single one of us. And that standard is varied. It's varied. How you live your life today as a believer will 
perhaps be a, a different than, than how I live my life out today as a believer. But we all have this command that we are to live our lives filled with the Spirit of God. And you see, unless we walk as we've been told, the, the lessons of God really cannot be understood. To try to teach uh, on, on this level, teaching the Bible as we do, line upon line, word upon word, Unless a person is spirit-filled, it can't be comprehended in, in human terms. It, it cannot be fully followed apart from the working of the Holy Spirit within your life, in my life. In other words, what we've been studying just here in Ephesians, to, to, to attempt to walk as obedient children in God's love, in God's light, with God's wisdom. And as chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 asks us to walk in humility, to walk in gentleness, to walk in patience, forbearing, it says, one another in love and preserving within the body of Christ this unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace is impossible apart from the Spirit of God working within our lives. To walk this spiritual walk that God is asking of you and of me, this walk of obedience apart from God, the Holy Spirit leading us, would be impossible and would become at best a frustrating and exhausting task. Because it, it's a, it would be a roller coaster ride. One day you're up and the next day you're down. And it causes many people to walk away from their faith believing that that type of walk is impossible. It's not. Until we completely understand these verses that we've just read, from verses 15 through 21, our walk with Jesus Christ will have extreme highs and extreme lows and a lot of defeats. Therefore, these verses are critical, critical for you and me to understand. So we can live out this balanced and steady, Christ-centered, Spirit-filled life. We already saw in the weeks past, John 6, Ephesians 5, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, 1 Peter 2, and, and Psalms 37. You see, if we are saved, if we are saturated with the Spirit of God, if we have sanctified or set ourselves apart... And if we give thanks in everything, this is God's will for you and me. And if ultimately, if we try to do always what is right, as 1 Peter says, chapter 2, verse 15, such is the will of God, that by doing what is right, you and I might silence the ignorance of foolish people. In Proverbs 14, 1, we learn that a fool is those who deny the very existence of God. It says in Proverbs 14.1, a fool has said in his heart that there is no God. So when we live this existence, we can then delight ourselves, as Psalms 37.4 and 5 tells us, delight ourselves in the Lord. He, He Himself will give you and me the desire of our hearts. Commit our ways to the Lord, it says in verse 5. Trust in Him. He will do it. He wants you to know His will. And He wants you to live out your dream, your destiny, your delight He will place in your heart. 
So Paul begins in verse 18 by stating, don't get drunk with wine. That's dissipation, Paul says. Rather, he says, be filled with the Spirit. You see, dissipation, the word dissipation there in verse 18, it could mean gluttony, it could mean indulgences of, of any kind. It's, it's not just simply drinking. Yes, Paul is speaking about don't be, don't be filled with wine. That's dissipation, he says. But it's really, it's an excess. It's, it's, it's trying to find something else to fill you up rather than the Spirit of God. Let's be clear. Be clear about this. Drinking in moderation or not drinking at all in itself is not a mark nor is it a measure of being a spiritual being or unspiritual for that matter. See, spirituality is determined by what we are inwardly and it is displayed by how we live outwardly. Repeat that. Spirituality is determined by who you and I are inwardly. That place that you know, that no one else knows, but you know. It is determined by what you are inside of you. And it is shown by how you and I live outwardly. You see, true happiness and joy, God says, is not controlled by drink or any circumstance. But spirituality, happiness, joy is controlled by God, the Holy Spirit, living within you, filling you. Genuine happiness is really a God-given and God-fulfilled position that you and I have in life. Listen. Listen to what the psalmist says. It's Psalms, um, it's, it's Psalms anywhere 1611. The psalmist writes in Psalm 1611. Yeah, there it is. See? It says, You, you God, you will make known to me the path of life. Listen to these next words. And in you, in you God, in your presence is the fullness of joy. And in your right hand, dear God, there are pleasures forever. You see, genuine happiness is a God-given gift to every single one of us. And so the problem with drinking or gluttony or dissipation, whatever the excess is, will bring about an artificial happiness which will not last in anyone's life. As, as a matter of fact, I, I've never been one that is taken by drink or any of those types of drugs. I, I just don't do that. I, I've just never had. I don't have a taste for it. I have a desire for it. I don't drink for the most part because I don't want anyone to see me doing it so as to maybe make them think that, that that's okay and it might make them stumble. It's the only reason. So not knowing that, I called up one of, the, one of the people whom I love who went through a very difficult time in their lives, had to go through uh, rehab, had to go through those places where you go that they, they get you straight, so to speak. Never had to do that. 
So what I wanted to make sure is what I was saying is correct, never having been dependent upon any artificial means. I wrote down, any artificial happiness will never last. In In other words, the dependency upon money, the dependency upon drink, the dependency upon food, okay, maybe I eat a little too much, but the dependency upon whatever cannot fill you apart from God the Holy Spirit. And she'll more than likely lead you to worse problems. And this is why I called this guy. I said, is this correct? I said, for instance, artificial things are a killer. They're a killer of your ambitions. They're a killer of your joy. A killer of your happiness. A killer of success. And yes, it is eventually a killer of life itself. And he said, right on. Right on. So Scripture gives you and me a reason to believe that we ought not really to start on the first drink or that thing that might take us on the road of access. Too much buying. Whatever. You fill it in. And if that is too late for you, if you've already started on that path, then verse 18 gives you the only true way to stop. And that is by being filled or saturated with the Spirit of God. You see, unless you and I are saturated and filled with the Holy Spirit, we will become people who are Christians who are living on this rolly coaster existence. And I have met and seen and know many, far too many. You see, they take flippant this this beautiful privilege that we have as being believers in Jesus Christ. They take flippant that that's just because they're a believer and they have accepted Jesus Christ in their life and they're going to heaven, that that's the end all. And it's not. It's just the beginning. You you need to understand the Word of God, that God asks us to live a Spirit-filled existence here on this earth. He's asked us to be light so that we can expose the darkness. I believe some maintain their faith for a while, maybe strong-willed, but sooner or later they get frustrated and eventually they fall away from the church, they fall away from friends who are believers because their joy is not like others whom they see walking with Christ and enjoying it. Listen, for instance, for instance, I just spoke this morning with some of the people who set up the cones and, and, and set up things for the parking. Have you ever thought about it? I get I here early enough and see the guys out there in their, in their coats when it's cold or when it's rainy, and they're setting up the cones and they're putting up the things so that you and I have a way in here. Have you ever thought about those that put out those parking cones or, or set up the classrooms or the hospitality tables or the visitor tables or, or greet us at the door or park cars or teach or etc. or etc. or etc. Do the things of this church and, and, and actually enjoy doing it. There's a, there's a joy in their hearts. Some of them that, that instead of going on vacation will come and, and work at VBS so as to be around the kids, to give the kids an opportunity to grow in their faith and they take away vacation time to serve the Lord week in and week out. You see, to do what some do here at The Rock 
filled with the Spirit of God, takes a job and turns that job into a ministry and takes a burden and turns that burden into joy. And that doesn't come just simply because you're a believer. That comes because you are, spirit, are filled with the Spirit of God. And every, every person who has ever accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has the Spirit of God living within them. Romans, Paul says in Romans 8, verses 9 and 10, you're not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God indwells in you. But if you don't have the Spirit of God, Paul writes, you, you don't belong to Him. And then he says in verse 10, if Jesus Christ is in you, though your body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. His righteousness. And we are promised that the Holy Spirit of God will never leave us, nor ever forsake us. We are promised that He will come and dwell us, and, and personally take us to be in heaven one day when we die, or when the Lord comes. But we are told in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, as we saw in the 30th verse, we can grieve Him through sin. Don't grieve, it says, the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So in verse 18, the word being filled in the Greek is a wonderful word because it gives us an understanding of what it means to be filled. It is the word P-L-E-R-O-O. -O. It literally means to keep on being filled or an ongoing filling. In other words, being filled, palero in the Greek, is an ongoing conscious and continual effort to walk in obedience with your God. You see, this is critical. Only sin can take you and me out of being filled with the Spirit of God, and only confession and repentance can bring us back into being filled with the Spirit of God. It's sin and dealing with sin. Sin removes the fullness. It, it brings that grief that you ought to have when you sin. But God, knowing who we are as human beings, gave us 1 John 1.9. And that was written for you and me as believers. It wasn't written for the world. If you and me, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is, that is a, a believer's bar of soap, if you will, to cleanse ourselves and to be spirit-filled beings. So listen now. Being filled with the Spirit of God is not an option. It is a mandate from God. None of us can fulfill the will of God within our lives apart being filled by the Spirit of God moment by moment. And it is an ongoing decision that you and I make, moment by moment. What is it? It is a confession of sin. If you know, if you recognize, if you realize there is sin in your heart, there is something that has separated from you from God, then you are to confess it so that you can instantaneously be filled with the Spirit of God the moment you confess your sin and repent from it. So being filled with the Spirit means you and I have our sins confessed. We repent and we walk in obedience in God and His Word daily. Listen, listen, as we get ready for communion, I want you, I want you to know this truth 
This understanding of being spirit-filled beings should take away the stupid notion that all you and I have to do is accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and our journey is done. That is so naive. That is so childish. That is, that is why there are so many retarded, just infant... That is why there are so many immature believers. I mean, just carnal Christians walking around this world. Yeah, I'm a believer. You hear people say, yes, I'm a believer. And you look at their lifestyle and you think, how can that person be a believer? What, what comes out of them is anything but a spirit being... And so many people have come to my mind right now, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say anything. Most people, not of this church, but um, people in, in this world that you hear them say, oh, 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 yeah, I believe in God. Oh, really? And you live like that? Where in the world do you get taught about your faith? And how have you grown in your faith? You see, there's a stupid notion that, that all we have to do is accept Christ and it's over with. That is so far from the truth, people. If you wish to live a powerful, dynamic Christian life filled with obedience and contentment, filled with the power of God, filled with the joy and the peace and the love, and having no doubts about your faith, and, then you are to walk a Spirit-filled life. Moment by moment, whenever it happens to confess your sin and to ask God for His forgiveness at that moment in time. Listen, to walk with Jesus Christ today means that you and I cannot trust in yesterday's victory. To walk with Jesus Christ today means that we cannot trust in yesterday's victories. Nor can we allow yesterday's defeats to hold us back. Our Lord has given us the reason and the power to be spirit-filled beings. He has given us communion. He has given us forgiveness. He has given us the ability to be moment by moment by moment spirit-filled beings. And it is an ongoing process. It isn't, okay, we're going to take communion now. And okay, we're going to think about any of those sins that we might have. We're going to take away those things and ask God to forgive us. Does not mean that you might not have to do that again at 12.30 this afternoon. When someone pulls in front of you at a parking place that was yours. Oh yeah, it's Walmart, but it's mine. (laughs) <laughs> and you get so angry. Yesterday I was driving home. Just got through doing this service. Felt better than I've felt in a long time. And I'm coming down the road and on this, where it kind of narrows into one pathway. Here comes a car and I can see him in my rearview mirror. And he's going to beat me to that place. And it's a race. <laughs> and the roads were still wet and And somewhere in that process, the Lord God spoke to me and said, it's not a race. And I backed off and I let him go. That's There's a victory right there in and of itself. But I let him know. I blinked my lights a few times. (laughs) I did. I let him know that I wasn't a happy driver at that point in time. And on that one-way road, I was behind him and I was thinking, if I get alongside him, I'm going to take a look at who this guy is. And somewhere in that process, God, the Holy Spirit, said to me, who 
do you think you are? Maybe he has someone that he is worried about. Maybe there's something in his life that's driving him that he's really being uh, um, out of control right now almost as much as you are. And he is driving home trying to find and help do something. You ought to be praying for him instead of angry with him. And somewhere in that process, I backed off and just prayed for that person. That was a victory. That is what is spirit-filled. And that happened only an hour and one half approximately after I had just taken communion and thanked God for the forgiveness of my sin and was a filled spirit human being. And I had to go through that process again an hour and a half later. Asking God to forgive me again. Help me to be that light. Help me to be that man that you've created me to be. Yesterday's victories are not today's They aren't what we have to hold on to today. What we have today is what every believer has in our grasp, and that is the ability to live as a spirit-filled being, taking our sins and confessing them moment by moment by moment when they happen so that we can be spirit-filled beings. And you'll be surprised. There will be a day, there will be a day, there will be a day when I won't have to get angry because someone wants to pass me on the right. And I'll just back off. I don't know when that day will be, but there will be that day. And I can be an ongoing Christian Spirit-filled being and live that light of love and of light and of wisdom. And so our Lord, knowing us, said that when we have communion, we are having it for one purpose in mind, and that is to do what, you know? To remember. 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 He said, when you take up this bread, when He said to His disciples, And you eat of it. He says, eat of it in remembrance of me. You see, he was about to go to the cross for for the people of this world. He was about to allow his body to be sacrificed for the sin of this world. And so he said to those who are going to follow him, when you take of this bread, remember. Remember what I've done for you on the cross. Remember. Shortly thereafter, he held up some wine. said an amazing thing, did he not? He said to his disciples, this is my blood. Whenever you drink of it, drink of it in remembrance of me. He said, I've given you now a new covenant. The new covenant is the forgiveness of your sins. He said, this blood that we are about to drink is is a symbol of the blood that He was going to shed on the cross for the forgiveness of each of our sins. Your sins are no more. He says, I take your sin and I remove it from me as far as the east is from the west and I will remember it no more. Don't be so naive that you think that just because you drink this wine now in remembrance of what He has done for you that you might not have to deal with the forgiveness of your sins later this afternoon with human beings. But the more you and I walk in obedience of our Lord, the more you and I walk 
being filled with the Spirit of God day by day by day by day, longer and longer will those intervals be that we will start to sin again. And maybe with the grace of God we will sin no more. And so he said to his disciples, as I say to you, when you take of this, this is my blood, drink it in remembrance of me for the forgiveness of your sin. Father in heaven, there's not enough words to say thank you. You teach us well from the very word of God, and that is that we, we can be spirit-filled beings. We can walk knowing your will, knowing that we are walking right in the will of God this very moment. You will give us the desires of our hearts. And then, Father, you have given us the ability of walking daily on an ongoing basis, being spirit-filled beings. No more excuses. Yesterday's victories are not what we're going to hold on to today. We'll just hold on to you day by day. And those defeats that we had yesterday, whatever they may be, cannot hold us back either, Father. Your love overwhelms us. It drives me to say to the people that I get to work and be with every week, Father, that I love them. I love the people of this church so much. God bless each and every one, I pray. Take us to wherever we may go today, and may we be light, love, and understand the very will of God. May we walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all more than I can ever tell you. Come next week, we're going to have so much fun. It's going to be a great ride these next few weeks. You'll see. God bless you. Have a great day.